0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. It's not like we've been a poor faceoff team in the past. It looks that way now—a faceoff's five-man game—and it's not just on the center. Uh, the winger's got to help out. Everybody's got to be involved. We're just not there yet. Well, you know, it's a five-guy job. More and more,
1: you see those faceoffs going sideways instead of going straight out. If you lose it and it goes straight out, that's that's bad on you. If you lose, but it goes sideways, pretty on it gives you a chance that your teammates can help you it up. So the individual in the middle has to do, I think, a better job to create those possibilities. And then everybody around, we have to be better as a unit. As
2: crazy as it sounds, I think
0: face-offs is a big mental game as well. You know, if you start losing some and you got a guy that kind of has your number, it uh, kind of
1: gets in your head a little bit. So I think it's just like mentally refocusing and, and not letting that settle in and, and, and try to snap him your way and get him thinking. Because as soon as you start winning a couple, now he's got to f- try and fig- uh,
0: switch up his strategy to try and uh, get you so instead of you trying to always switch up to to see what they're doing once you start snapping the back couple now you got them thinking about what you're doing.
1: All right, I confess, I confess. We've got Dave Randorf right at the top, but let me bring in my partner, Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli, Steve Ursic's our producer. We're getting you ready for the opener tonight, Laning and Flyers, partner. I confess, I kind of my attention span's not what it used to be. I, mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, who, Did
0: you lose who, track?
1: Who spoke? <laughs> They were too long. Yeah, I, not, was, it's not a knock on Steve. I was just, I was like, all right, I gotta, I, I have time here because I know they're still talking. Let me do some other things here.
0: <laughs> right. Well, Cooper Stampkos, Belmar, and Paul. Right. Yes. Did you. I get it in the right no order? Goes. No Stampkos. Well, he spoke today about faceoff. Okay, so but maybe he wasn't that, in the open. So I'll, we'll paraphrase what he <laughs> talked about. So Cooper, <laughs> Belmar, and Paul. All
1: right. Yes, and I should have gotten Belmar, but uh, you know, for a, a minute there, I froze and I said, "Wait a minute." So that's so like a half
0: that? half off for me because I added somebody who wasn't there. You is that worse though? You added somebody that wasn't in. I know. Well, I actually talked to Ghost today about Face Off, so maybe. <laughs> Did that, you
1: really? Well, that's we don't good. have that, get that get to air. That I didn't record it, but that was fun. All right. Well, look, we got an hour to talk about this game tonight and some other things that are happening with the Lightning. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. Lightning, I think, are really excited to play in front of their home crowd. But I, I think also too to right the ship a little bit after the first three games, which has been inconsistent. You can use another word if you want to. Mission I have been talking about that really over the last twenty-four hours or so. And let's bring in our good friend Dave Randorf. Lightning play-by-play man on the TV side. we got both play-by-play guys. This is quite a treat for our audience out there. If you want to get some questions in, please do, and we can ask the Daves what they think. But (laughs) Dave (laughs) Randorf, great to be with you. We always appreciate you taking the time to break it all down for us. And let's just, in general, opening night for an announcer, broadcaster, the players get pumped for it, no doubt about it. I've got to think for... For what we do, it's it's fun being in the building knowing that this is a little bit more unique than Game 3, Game 15, or Game 58, isn't it? No doubt about it.
2: Um, I, as a, I'm an observer tonight. I uh, the game is on ESPN, and unfortunately, when your team is good as the Lightning, the national broadcasters pluck a lot of the good games. So they took the season opener and the home opener. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically have no idea what you're talking about. No, so you're I, coming on with me tonight, then? what yeah, no, 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 right, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've done a lot of uh, you know season opening games and home openers for different uh, different teams and. And uh, it is fun. And even for me to come into the building tonight, I'm, I'm very excited about it. It doesn't get old for me uh, to just be in the uh, environment and in, in a building that is always electric and always full and always energetic. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And this being the 30th anniversary season, there's going to be some special things tonight and as we go along through the season as well. So, yeah, I I'm totally understand what you're saying, and I'm looking forward to uh, taking it all in from the seats tonight. It's it's You know what? It's the next best thing. Of course, I'd like to be upstairs in the booth right beside David uh, calling the game, but uh, we'll be doing that on Saturday. So that'll be fine. Uh, We've kind of gotten our our
0: finger on the pulse of of the fans after the first three games, Dave, and I think that more people are upset than not upset based on the fact that the team lost two of three and and didn't look very good, frankly, in either of the losses. Understanding that they were on the road a lot in training camp, the turnover, the road-heavy schedule at the beginning, a back-to-back in there, to get only one out of those first three, how
2: surprised and maybe how alarmed are you at this point, alarm would be a strong word. I'm not uh, in any kind of panic mode. One thing that I've uh, this is my third season now, so it hasn't been uh, that long, but I've been watching the team uh, long before I, I got here. And now that I'm uh, around them all the time, uh, I have learned that this team does not panic and they are, are definitely good enough to dig them. They're very good at looking themselves in the mirror. There are a lot of teams in a lot of different sports that when you have as much success on the ice or on the the playing field or whatever the case may be you can get a little fat and happy a little happy with yourselves and it happens I know it does I've talked to plenty of players current and former who said yeah you know that 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 affected us this team I truly believe and I had a conversation with Nick Paul about this this morning there's still a a high degree of accountability and looking themselves in the mirror so alarmed I, I would be alarmed if they you know Continue to draw points at this stage of the game and didn't self-correct. Um, but concern, sure. You you can't you can't. I I hate it when people say ah it's early. I don't care what sport you're talking about, but I don't believe in the old it's early thing. The points in October are the same as the points in in March, and you don't want to be scrambling for a playoff spot in March or even in February. It's just too hard in this league. So there are certain areas of the game that need to be cleaned up. I I heard the intro about face-offs. Those are detail-type oriented things that uh, need to be fixed, and that leads to possession. And then when you have the puck, they need to make better decisions with it. Their special teams, both the power play and the penalty kill, have not been good enough through three games. So these are all, you know, correctable issues, and, and, you know, knock wood, they don't have any... Uh, major injuries to deal with at this stage of the game, so these they can they can fix this all from within. They don't have to uh, patch holes because uh, guys are out that they didn't know who were already out, like Sorelli and Bogosian.
1: Dave Randorf joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. You know, it's interesting, Dave. We were talking, Mitch and I. We got into this last week, and it it's on, I thought a pretty good conversation, especially a week into the season when you don't have as many games to review, and that basically was. Was this the first year they really had to deal with significant changes personnel-wise? Not to take away what the third line did a couple of years ago, but with Ryan McDonough and Andre Polat, you had two guys who were a cornerstone of this team for a few years. And I think two guys who you could make a case during the most important time were playing at a pretty elite level considering their roles. And I'm wondering... Is that going to just take, you think, all year to figure out how to overcome the losses of those two players and that it's not as easy as some may think when you bring in some free agents, whether it's a to try and fill what Palat does or maybe even on the back end Sergachev taking the next steps to maybe overcome the loss of McDonough. When you look at those two guys who left via free agency and, and a trade, Do you feel like this is maybe the first year they really had to deal with significant losses with elite players who were big parts of this team?
2: I don't want to contradict what you're saying or argue against your point because you are right. You're talking about uh, two big pieces in Andre Pallott, a a, lifelong career bolt, a seventh-round draft pick in his overage draft year that went on to become one of the most clutch playoff performers this team has ever had and probably will ever have and a guy who played up and down the lineup, and a guy that everybody wanted to play with, coupled with a stalwart, rock-solid defenseman, uh, a leader on and off the ice in Ryan McDonough, a, a, a captain who came from New York uh, and and b- instantly became a leader here. So when you're talking about two big culture pieces, uh, not only for what they do on the ice, but for what they what they bring off of the ice, and setting the standard, which sets the tone for all the success that they've had. These are two big pieces. But I, I would, you know, you got to think back to the year before when they lost the entire third line of Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow, two guys who certainly weren't here for a long time, but they were here for a good time. And, and I, I maintain the Lightning do not win. I will say this, they do not win back-to-back Cups without those three specific guys doing what they did. Their fingerprints are all over both cups. So, and that was the big question. How are they going to replace that line? Well, they, they kind of did in, in different ways. They had the school bus line, which was far more effective than we thought it would could possibly be with Belmar doing what, what he does, with uh, Pat Maroon, you know, just maintaining puck possession, rumbling around the opposition's end, and with Corey Perry scoring 19 goals, could have easily been 25 if he had a little bit more puck luck. So they've been in this position before. I would call that a significant change. Again, those players all weren't here. I'm talking more specifically about Goodrow and Coleman. They weren't here for that long a period, but their contributions were so large that they have you you really have to consider that a, a, a major replacement job as well. The second part of your question is this going to take all year? Uh, I, I really don't think so. Not, not an all year thing because I don't know if uh, Julian Breezeball will wait all year. I think that uh, they want to capitalize with this group while they can. And I know, uh, you know, uh, how about salary cap restrictions and how hard it is to make a deal. But if things aren't working and you are in a position where it's now January and you are st- on the outside looking in where you really want to be and you're honest with yourself as an organization as to, we need to make a move, I think he will. So, uh, and then and a whole new adjustment period will begin. Um, you're bringing in a veteran in Ian Cole, and he's back in the lineup now after the investigation was concluded by the National Hockey League. You know what you're getting there. A, a, a solid, experienced blue liner is going to kill penalties and help uh, eat up those minutes that Ryan McDonough uh, brought in. Are brought to the table, and then when you bring in Mestikov, I really like his comfort level with this room, uh, and I talked to him today as well. He's very comfortable. It's like he kind of never left, really. Uh, and I see the interactions. You know, Dave and I travel with the team, and he, he's he's not he doesn't seem like the new guy at all, does he, Dave? He, no. he right? He he he's just slipped right back into it. Interesting to note, he's going to be put on the number one power play unit t- tonight. And I asked him, "How much power play have you played?" He goes, "Not much, like not at all in Detroit." Pretty much not much at all since he was first here with Tampa Bay. So these were all adjustments. I don't think it's going to take the entire season, Greg. That's my long-winded answer to your two short questions.
0: (laughs) Well, let's look at tonight's game, Dave. It's a bummer for Phil Myers. He's banged up. He won't play tonight because this is Mm -hmm. really his former team. He barely played at all in Nashville. I'm sure he would have liked to have seen the Flyers. But with Myers out... Nick Purbix comes in. Now, we were expecting that Cal Foote might not be able to play, which necessitated the Purbix recall yesterday. Foote will play. Myers won't. So Purbix comes in. What do you make of that? It seems very enlightening-like mm-hmm. to have a guy that early in his NHL career, particularly in defense, get thrown right in there. But he obviously has shown them something. What do you make of his insertion into the lineup in game four of the regular season.
2: Yeah, Fleury out, Myers out, and, uh, I mean, I, I, you're talking about three guys who are brand new to this team, you know, Hayden Fleury's played uh, you know, a significant amount of games in national hockey. Like, what's he up to? Close to 200 games, right? So it's not like he doesn't have uh, experience, but he's bounced around a little bit. He yeah, hasn't. they haven't
0: been 200 in a row.
2: <laughs> no, it's not been in a row. And for a guy who was drafted in the first round, yeah. it, he's, he's bounced, and he's on his third team. So he's still finding his way. Same with Myers, and now Mick, Nick Purvick's a sixth-round draft pick making his NHL debut in a home opener uh, for a team that considers itself a, an Eastern Conference contender. It is unlikely, is unlightening-like, and you, this is the bigger part of the adjustment that I feel this team has to make. I think up front they're going to be better in the adjustments that they have to make than they are on the, on the blue line. Even Ian Cole coming into the mix. He's brand new. And, and how much did he play in the preseason? Probably not a whole lot. And his mind, you know, he's obviously been distracted by what's been going on off of the ice. And now he has to refocus and just try to uh, integrate himself into this lineup and, and, and play an important role for them. So this is, this is a challenge. Um, good luck to Nick Purbix. It'll be a special night for him. I'm sure everybody in uh, his, his uh, hometown back in the state of Minnesota, the state of hockey, is going to be excited for him. And as John Cooper said, his his day was going to come. It's just a matter of when. So let's let's get it going here and see what what we've got. But make no mistake about it, this is a challenge on the blue line because we're seeing uh, it's hard when you don't have experience in your top four defensemen, let alone right through your top six. Now we're talking three new guys. Uh, so that's that. This is a big adjustment. Make no mistake about it.
1: Well, and that's we're here with Dave Randorf here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. That's why I asked you, is it going to take maybe all year? Might be too long, to your point. And if things still are shaping up where there are some inconsistencies, maybe Julian Breezewa is a little more proactive in addressing that issue. But we also know that Zach Bogosian, we think at some point, will be back along right. with Sorelli, which is going to shore them up defensively. But look, coming off an injury, it's going to take them some time, I think, to get into the flow. The thing that's interesting about the back end We mentioned Kyle Footz, Ian Cole, who's a veteran, but you've got Flurry and and Myers. There are guys there who need to get, and even Chernak playing with a different defense partner all those years playing with Ryan McDonough, that you have some guys who not only are going to be taking on a full-time role in the NHL, you would think, at least initially here, but also playing with different defense partners than maybe they are used to, and that that might end up being a little bit more of a growing process than we originally anticipated now look they could shore that up quicker than maybe we envisioned but it will be interesting once the reinforcements do come in sorelli bogosian how that changes things dave and if we do see defensively things start to to shore up a little bit more consistency in the pairings is
2: huge it's huge you know uh Victor Hedman played his best, I think. I mean, he always plays well, and he's always one of the top defensemen in the league. But I think even in the last few years, he was at his best when he had his old steady 80 partner back there, and Jan Ruda. And and that's an adjustment even for him now that uh, that Ruda is gone. Every defenseman will tell you, whether you're Victor Hedman or, uh, or a guy, you know, a younger guy like Cal Foote, having that consistent trust on the other side, whether it's your left or your right, means a whole lot and kudos to Mikhail Sergeyev for the past several years because if there's been one guy who's who's bounced around a little bit and always plugged in here and there uh, when need be it's it's been him and now he's being asked to elevate his role which is a a further change you have to have that consistency and right now they're trying they're going to try to work their way towards that and settle in on some pairings you're right once Bogosian comes back that's going to be a big piece. But even even the experience of an Ian Cole, he he's now got to find that consistency and that comfort level uh, with a new partner, and that may take four, five, six, seven, up to ten games for them to settle on a pairing. There, uh, this is a big this is a big one for the Lightning, and uh, especially for a team that is doesn't want to be behind the eight ball here. One win in their first. Look look around you, like the Detroit Red Wings last night improved to 2-0-1-1. They squeeze out an extra point last night with a, a crazy play near the end of the game where they they uh, dis they they there was a back check by Dylan Larkin that took away an easy empty net goal which would have ended the game but they get to overtime they lose but they pick up a point and that's not nothing there's a lot of teams around them that are picking up points and again I don't subscribe to the old it's early thing the <laughs> Red Wings have five points uh, so will that be the uh, the the Be all, end all, when all is said and done. All I'm saying is you don't want to be chasing the pack when it's February. And the defense uh, settling in and getting to their, their game is a big part of that for the Lightning. Last one
0: for me, Dave. Coop was asked about the fact that this is just one of two home games in the month of October, which kind of builds on your last point that there should be some urgency to this game tonight. Because after a back to back this weekend, the Lightning go out to California next week to round out the month. How important are these first nine games? I'm going to include the seven road games, and they've played three of them already to ensure that they're at least in the mix. And I guess, like, kind of following up on what you're saying, like, how much of a priority are you putting on these next few games so that a one and two record gets kind of
2: back even, Steven, and we're not looking at two and six or something like that mm-hmm. well uh again to my point people got to remember remember the start they had last year they were well, I, I don't have it in front of me but uh, I want to say 19 four and two or something yeah. like that that was after a two three and one start exactly. as well. exactly and they got a real run and then you know they settled things down and they had points in the bank that they needed Dave because remember yeah. when they started a struggle in March uh, they didn't uh, they didn't play they didn't really play that well the rest of the way once March hit uh obviously they picked it up and got it together once the playoffs <laughs> rolled around uh, going to game six of the stanley cup final but my point is they had that cushion where there wasn't panic mode yet because they weren't chasing uh, a whole bunch of teams in front of them uh it, it's not about finishing first in the division in fact they finished third in the division the last two years mm-hmm. so it's just about getting making ensuring you are in position to get into the playoffs and then it's game on and lightning know what they're doing there I, I think there's two ways to look at how important these next uh, this month of October is. You want to, A, get those points when you can. B, you want to get to your game. You want to play better than you have in the first uh, uh, three games in a lot of areas that, I, as I mentioned, are correctable. Um, can their power play be better? Yes, we know it can. They've made a shift now. They've taken Kalorin, at least for now, off the number one unit. We'll see what uh uh, you know, what, what fruit that bears.
0: And Nick Paul is off the number two
2: unit. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, because Cologne bumps down. Right. And we'll see what shuffling happens. And that's really the only card you can play in the number one power play unit, by the way, you would agree. You're not taking anybody else off of there. So that's the one move right. you can make. We'll see if that uh, shuffle helps or whether they see Cologne right back up there. Penalty killing to me has again, it's, it's, it's only three games, but it's 75%. And that's not lightning-like. It's got to be over. It's got to be over 80 for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so that has to shore itself up. And but the puck management that we saw really kind of end the game on Saturday night in Pittsburgh when you let a good team and there's lots of good teams out there uh, take advantage of turnovers and where you turn the puck over at blue lines and and allowing uh, transition speed be uh, bite you. So I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see them get to their game and tighten up a lot of areas that are correctable, and then I think the points will come. Maybe not two every night, but as long as you're getting the points, as Coop likes to say. What's he say? <laughs> munch the points. Yeah, Let's munch some points here because
1: uh, you're going to need them. It's a tough league. A lot of parity. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. That's what it. makes it
2: great. Don't you think, Greg? Yeah. Well, you night- know what?
1: It does. I'll play devil's advocate with you both because I, I don't want to speak for Mish, but I will say this, Dave. I I don't mind chasing the big dog all the time. You know, the salary cap is allowed for parity, and I think a lot of teams can appreciate that because I think by default, all you have to do is be somewhat average or a little bit above average, and you can get into the playoffs, particularly with eight teams from each conference getting in. I mean, you get 16 total teams in this, in this league. You should get in if you're an average team. And... I didn't mind back in the day having the Red Wings or the Avalanche or even the Penguins, to a lesser extent. What we've seen here with the Lightning and the Blackhawks in the in the salary cap world, I kind of like going after the team you know is really superior to everybody else and just knocking them off. And look, uh, for various reasons, we understand why there is more of a a restriction on what you can spend in today's game. But I, I don't know. I, I parody's great. But you know, you're gonna have to constantly retool and not have the same team for five, six years because you don't have the wallet to you're, you're you're restricted with just so many dollars who you can keep and who you can't. But I you know what, I didn't mind when you were chasing the avalanche and the in the Red Wings back there. Where in the where day. are you
2: with this, Dave?
0: <laughs> I remember watching and I'm switching sports here, but I remember watching Joe Montana and the 49 nineers when say. they I were was in just their peak. the
2: exact same team. <laughs> and well,
0: because They not only got results, but they did it in a way that it was just beautiful to watch them execute their offense. And, like, when I didn't have a dog in the hunt, like, I could appreciate excellence, right? And the NFL is also a league that predicates a lot of what it does on parity, and there's a reason for that. You don't want a fan base to be in the wilderness for a decade. You'd like every fan base to at least believe that there's an opportunity to, to make a dent and maybe make the playoffs and, and, and maybe go on a run in the playoffs. I'm talking about hockey and football, but to Greg's point, I'm not sure if he was saying that like he, he appreciated watching the Avalanche when they were winning the Stanley cup and, and being the, the earlier Avalanche, the Sackick Forsberg Avalanche, Patrick Waugh. But I think that, that he's saying that he appreciated that there was a top dog I appreciated the top dog because I like watching beautifully executed plays, right? And the best teams are able to do that, and that's why I use the 49ers as an example because when Montana ran that offense, it was like poetry, right? Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I uh, I, am a guy who watches hockey every night, and I don't just watch the Lightning. I watch games all over the league, and uh, I appreciate that you can turn on – just about any game, and, and you're going to see a competitive. Yeah. Y- y- yes, you'll get a seven-one game like we saw the other night. To, who got hammered seven one? Somebody, I think Anaheim did, uh, or the I, I, I can't remember. There was there, there. You do see some lopsided scores, but that's not the norm mm-hmm. in today's National Hockey League. It's usually a three-two, four-two.
0: Especially once you get into the second half yeah, of the year.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. And so that's what I appreciate, and 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 to your point that you know you, you don't get a lot of fan bases left, as you say, in the wilderness, in the dark. Uh, where you're always consistently lousy. Yes, there are some bottom feeders, but uh, for the most part, the salary cap uh, will even that out. But... Drafting and developing, I, I can appreciate mm-hmm. that too. You have to be able to draft and develop in today's NHL because of the cap. And that's why it's it's been so impressive to see a team like the Lightning insert sure. guys in over the years. It makes you appreciate their success even more what they've done here in this salary cap, Baraba. Well, I think, I, think right. we're, I think we're getting off topic here, aren't we? No, no that's, that's okay. okay. We've got an, an hour. We can talk, talk about whatever we want. Host a talk <laughs> show. What the hell? It's three
1: guys we're three guys talking hockey. Well uh, you know, if you can't enjoy this. They shouldn't be listening. I'm gonna call it a <laughs> friends, but they do. You know what's interesting is that not only the parody, but I also think two guys. I, I think the talent level is such now where maybe you could you can overcome a team perhaps like the Avs and the Red Wings back 30 years ago when maybe there weren't from top to bottom as much skill in the league as there is right now. I think we all can agree. You can be a bottom feeder in terms of not spending to the cap now, even though there's gap in place. But I think the way players are being developed, even coming out of juniors or whether it's the college ranks, wherever, I think we've seen more talents being infused into the National Hockey League, which might, which might make the parity... A little more noticeable than just everybody spends to a certain number and that's why you have parity in other words i just think the talent level is mm-hmm. such that everybody's getting good players and no, now no. it's in, it's incumbent upon you to win during a period of time with those players before some of them hit free agency and,
2: and, to, and to wrap up this whole conversation uh, as it pertains to tonight if you don't respect that talent level like tonight could be a trap game for a team um because and you know look at the the facts that you have tonight the Philadelphia Flyers. If you're going to watch the game tonight, or you're going to come to the game tonight, they got about five five guys in the, that, on their lineup that you have never heard of. Yeah. Right now, they're they're missing so four regulars, four or five regulars, uh, two up front, three in the back end, and, and uh, or vice versa, and yet they're two zero. They've come from behind in both of their games in the National Hockey League. I don't care who you are, that is something. And if you don't respect that, and yes, the Lightning have—I think they've won ten in a row against the Flyers. They've got a great record of Vasicek's never lost to them here at home. All these, all these numbers that could trap you if you are that type of team that doesn't respect, uh, as you say, Greg, the talent that exists night in, night and out in the National Hockey League. So. That's what makes it compelling. And that's what makes tonight even a little bit more compelling because, (laughs) are you kidding me? Who who would like to come in here and ruin the Lightning home opener more than uh, uh, John Tortorella, the former head coach of the (laughs) Lightning? It it was a big part of this 30 year year anniversary celebrations happening tonight.
1: It's not a loss done to him. It's not. And he'll uh, he'll be able to watch the Lightning when they're not in the playoffs. So we'll see how that uh, plays <laughs> out. I know I'm calling that shot right now, but I, you know I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. Hey, that's what we do. That's what we do, and uh, we have a lot of fun. Dave, we appreciate you coming on and talking a little hockey. We went in uh, various directions, but I thought it was good hockey talk. We appreciate it. Well, I'm glad. You know, Thank I'm, you, Dave.
2: I'm glad for that instant analysis and assessment of my performance. I'm yeah, glad it didn't well, go poorly. It would have been embarrassing. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. I'll okay. tell you off the air if it did or not. <laughs> I'll give you the truth.
1: <laughs> Always a pleasure coming on with you guys. Thanks a lot. All right, boys. And everybody, enjoy tonight. It's going to be fun. All right. We appreciate uh, Dave Randorf right there. Hit us up on Twitter if you want to react to our conversation at Bolts Radio. You know, our good friend Nick Alberga and partner, he's, he's now employed with various outlets. So next time we have him on. I will have that information in front of me so I can relay that on to the the audience. Mm-hmm. But he always talks about the revenge game. Is this a revenge game for Phil Myers?
0: Well, he's not playing, so That's right, he's not
1: playing. That's right, he's not playing. Would it have been a revenge game for Phil Myers?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, the Flyers gave him his opportunity. They didn't trade him because they didn't like him. I think they traded him because they had a chance to get Ryan Ellis. I think Nashville didn't like him. I think Nashville traded him because they wanted to unload his salary and and they needed to unload some money to to bring on Ryan McDonough. But That's
1: turning out to be a miscalculation because what is Ryan Ellis's status? He's been hurt. I mean it, he yeah, may not right. play I mean, he, again. That's what yeah. I mean. He's he may never play. He may never play again. Very good defenseman when he was healthy. Mm-hmm but Phil Meyer is an opportunity here. We'll see how it plays out for him at bolts radio. Busta big says one thing hasn't changed, even though the bolts roster back end has teams know all about how good Tampa is the elite skill they have. I'm not reading that correctly. Cause I don't, there's no punctuations in here, Busta. So I'm, it's a little bit of a. He a couldn't even here. waste a character on a comma <laughs> a or a period. <laughs> <laughs> As teams know all about how good Tamp is, the elite skill they have, they're going to get another team's best pretty much every night. If a team yeah. comes with less, they risk being hammered.
0: Yeah, so that's the whole target on the back. And the Lightning mm-hmm. should be used to that at this point. Even pre cups, going back to, you know, 2018, 2019, they have been a team that the league knows how good they have been and i think that that other teams never take the lightning lightly and the lightning are used to not being taken lightly so they shouldn't have an issue
1: with whatever the flyers are going to bring do you think that's allowed them maybe we we will never know it's more of a Analysis and getting inside the heads of the Lightning players and coaches, which is hard to do. But I'm wondering, when you have that target on your back, that can bring for some pretty taxing hockey during the regular season. Because the other team, theoretically, partners not giving you an inch. I mean, obviously, there there are times when teams have letdowns against the Lightning and they take full advantage. But if we're under the notion that the Lightning gets the other team's best... Mm-hmm. That's got to help the Lightning, though, don't you think? Stay sharp during the regular season, considering it's easy not to coming off a championship or two and going through some lulls. Which we've seen the team do, but, you know, they've also had some pretty impressive results in the postseason. And I'm wondering, being battle-tested not only in the postseason, but, you know, to an extent, the regular season, when we've seen them get up for games against teams that are really good if having that target on their back has helped them in in more ways than what maybe we think. Maybe. I don't know.
0: I mean, it makes not the buying. grind of the regular season. They're going to have to... They have had to deal with it. And they've dealt with it successfully. But if you were saying to them, you know what, every couple of games out of a 10-game span, you're going to get a a cupcake easy one, I don't think they would... What's the expression? Look that gift horse in the mouth. I mean... <laughs> like, like that. the fact that they have had mean. to be ready for basically all 82 regular season games how has that impacted their ability to win in the playoffs and i'm not sure that it has now they've had to they've had to face stiff competition during the regular season and if you didn't face face any like if everybody took you lightly and you got into the playoffs and then all of a sudden you had to face somebody who wasn't taking you lightly then you might go out but the Lightning get get enough of a, a dosage of teams taking them seriously and them knowing they need to bring a very high level. If you were to say, yeah, every, every week or so, every couple of weeks, you're going to get an easy one and just put the two points in the bank, I don't mm-hmm. think that they would mind that. But Nor do I think it would hurt them in the playoffs. But that's just not the way it goes. That's not where they are right now as an organization. And they prefer no that
1: to the alternative. It's a very good point by you. Let's for people who are just joining us right now, as Mish, you alluded to earlier. Nick Purbix working with Sergachev tonight. Mm-hmm. So that could be a lot of fun seeing his debut. Myers out. Cooper says a little recovery time for him. He needs a little rest. And he also said Cal is good to go. Yeah,
0: so it looks like Fleury is going to be the other scratch. So based on what I saw, your scratches tonight are Myers, Fleury, and Fortier. And Cole Kepke comes back in.
1: Which we speculated last show that he was probably going to be put in. I I will say this, and I I don't want to get into the weeds here because some of it, a lot of it is out of our control, and and you just don't know how the human element is going to react to something that Ian Cole went through. But he is making his debut after, I thought, a pretty solid preseason. Phyllis talked about mm-hmm. that, too, during the games, and, and you you as well. A, a veteran guy, and I don't think, partner, we can minimize, assuming Cole plays at a level we think he can. Now, again, sometimes things are out of your control. I don't know... If those accusations levied against him obviously cleared, if that's going to just take a toll on him down the road, who knows? I mean, that, again, that's more of just wondering out loud. But if Ian Cole is is sharp physically and mentally, and I know he has a lot of wear and tear physically because he's a physical defenseman who, sh- who blocks a lot of shots— that is a big part of that back end in terms of just having another experienced guy back there, and yes. I think if he's playing and at on a level penalty he... kill too, yes, which Dave I mean, talked
0: I... about, their penalty kill, no doubt. units have been uneven in their yes. performance.
1: I, it's a great way to put it. He plays with an edge, and Lightning's back end—they're physical. We understand that, but he, when you watch Ian Cole play tonight, again, we think he's going to be in the lineup every every thing is pointing that way he'll play with an edge he'll give you an extra shot he'll give you a cross check he'll mix it up he's not a great fighter but he he could drop the gloves if called upon but there's there's an edginess to him that I think will be well received Dave on that team and particularly on the back end and I think it's going to add some stability and then as I said before in a couple of months assuming John Cooper would want to go that route and I understand lefty righty is, is something they'll, they'll keep in mind, but you potentially have Ian Cole tonight and Zach Bogosian in a couple of months, two veteran defensemen to again slot in who are physical and can help solidify a back end who, you know, again, as we said before, major adjustments with a couple of guys moving on and some younger guys. Who aren't as experienced taking on their roles. We don't know how that's going to play out. I'm all for letting those players battle it out until the veteran gets back, and then you can kind of assess where you're going to be. But all of a sudden, now, partner, you get Cole back, you get Bogosian back, and let's say Myers and Foot's flurry to a lesser extent, but we can throw them in there. They have what, 25, 30, 35 games under their belts playing for the Lightning. I think that might give you a pretty good indication of where they are and who they're comfortable playing with moving forward. And I, I just think it gives John Cooper a lot of options on the back end, which you know you're going to need more than seven if you want to make a deep run. Yeah, I mean, and that's one reason why they signed Ian Cole. Yeah. They, they
0: they knew that they were going to be going younger. Even Sergachev. I mean, Sergachev is is adding responsibility But he is still a young player in the league. Now, he has a lot of experience based on his games played. But Ian Cole has been around for a while and has been on some very good teams and has a lot of playoff experience, including two cups with the Penguins. So it makes sense that they would bring him in. He had been playing much of the preseason with Myers, who, as we've talked about, is not playing tonight. But not just that, or maybe in part because of that, the D-pair combinations are shuffled for this game, which we didn't get into yet. So Cole looks like he is going to be playing with Cal Foot, And Hedman is with Chernak. And Sergachev is going to be playing with Purbix. Now, how much of this is due to, basically, you're taking out Myers, and so you're reshuffling the deck completely? I don't know. I mean, you could theoretically just slot Perbix in with Cole. And that's basically your third defense pair, which is where Myers had been in the preseason playing with Cole and kept the the other two pair intact. But kind of like we talked about with the line shuffling after the first game that John Cooper did as far as the forwards, clearly they felt they wanted to mix this up. So I'm very interested to see, in particular, Sergachev and Purbix as a pair. And if they, in fact, play together the whole... The whole game tonight,
1: you know I'm wondering, and it's we're speculating, of course, we'll see how it plays out if those pairings stay true for the whole game, let alone the next couple, if they saw something with headman and foots that they just they weren't sure about and they wanted to give it another look, mm-hmm. I mean it sounds like I'm answering my own question because they they, they made a change, but I'm wondering for foot, Dave. I think we all can agree as somebody who's still trying to assert himself as a regular and feel comfortable in that setting. Yeah. I'm wondering if playing with Ian Cole and his style of play is easier to do that than with Victor Hedman. I not to say that you can't play with Victor Hedman, but I do think, I mean, let's face it, Jan Ruta had a lot of success playing with Hedman. Because I think Jan Ruzzo was a pretty experienced defenseman, even though it wasn't at the NHL level. He had some pro experience that I probably just understood his game and was comfortable in his own skin, that he realized this is what I need to do. When mm-hmm. Hedman joins a rush, most likely, I have to just make sure I'm back. And here is my job playing with him. And if I do it well, I'll stay in the lineup. And with foot, different pedigree, different style of player... It's nice to sit there and say, you're going to play with Victor Hedman and you're going to take off, but that always doesn't happen. So I'm wondering, keeping it a little more simple, playing with Ian Cole, who's more defensive minded, can rub off on foot, and then maybe even have him be the aggressor offensively, if called upon, knowing that Cole is exactly the guy Ruta was for Hedman, I'll stay back, you know you're going to have an outlet here. When you join the rush, that somebody's going to have your back and, and make sure that we don't get beat. And I'm wondering if that played yeah. at all. Yeah.
0: And his minutes may go down too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that this is a statement on Foot's performance in the first three games. No. I think when the Lightning no. have not done well, they've not done well as a team. And when they've done well as a team, everyone has done well, including Foot. Foot had a good game in Columbus, scored a goal. Yeah. But if you do put him with Cole, you figure that if you're going to keep your pairs steady understanding there's going to be some special teams play you would figure that that foot would play a little bit less than if he's paired with victor hedman chernak and hedman do have some history together but it would almost seem that that's going to be the shutdown pair the lightning want to use and i'm looking at the flyers lineup greg so yeah. a couple of things. First of all, this is the Lightning's first home game, so they have last change so you can control your matchups. Not perfectly. Right. I mean, on the fly changes happen and sometimes you have to go with with who's up next. But the fact that they do have the last change means that they can they can get Hedman and Trnack out there when they when they really need to. And also looking at the Flyers' lineup, there's a lot of youth beyond their top line. Their top line is Kevin Hayes, Scott Lawton, and Travis Konechny. I would be surprised if that line doesn't see Chernak and Hedman basically all night. When you get to lines 2, 3, and 4, you've got young players, unproven players, new players to the NHL, tweener guys. The one exception is James Van Riemsdyk, who had 24 goals last year. But I can see that that might be one reason as well. That based on this game, the Lightning are going to put Chernak and Hedman together to match up against the Hays line. Right. We'll see yeah, if I'm right. <laughs> you yeah. know, at the end of the game, we'll see. We'll see if that's how it played out. But
1: yeah, and this is a Flyers team that's. I mean. When you took when you take a look at the Ross, you mentioned a lot of younger players. Yeah, and
0: they're missing they're missing Atkinson, they're missing Couturier, they're missing Ristolainen. I mean, Dave Randorf is right; they have some injuries that they're well. And those are with.
1: those are I, I hate these cliches Tortorella type players. I mean, Atkinson has followed Torts around a little bit. I mean, he's kind of mm-hmm. a gritty. yeah, it's a Or maybe Torch has followed him around,
0: because Atkinson was in Columbus when
1: Torch got the job, and he was already yeah. in Philly. That's true. That could be... You know, Couturier, I think, is, is somebody else who, you know, plays a hard game and yeah. good on face-offs. You know, this is a team that doesn't have Claude Giroux anymore. Kind of moved on from that, and... You know, in many ways, that was hovering over them whether he was, you know, going to come back or you know be a flyer for life, and that may still happen down the road. But I I think it's a new era, and John Tortorella. I think his number one priority is to get that team to be harder to play against and just be more competitive. I'm not sold on their goaltending. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I just I think there are too many questions there, and I actually think you can make a strong case when you look at the Eastern Conference in general. You could probably go Vasi, Shosturkin, and then Dave, I think every team has at least a small question mark in that. Flyers are no exception. It might be a bigger one. We talked about the Panthers, and it seems like they have a couple of goaltenders, but... Is there somebody you feel comfortable with moving forward? Mm-hmm. I, I just I think there's a lot of uncertainty at that position. It's the one position where if you have solid goaltending, you probably can be a little more competitive. I like Carter Hart to some extent, but I think he's been relatively inconsistent, and that might be a product of the team he's been playing in front of. But you know that doesn't excuse some of the performances that he's had. So I think that'll be interesting to see tonight. If We have seen some growth at that position because I do think that's one that, let's face it, for a long, long time, Philadelphia has struggled to find consistency going all the way back to the Ron Hextall days.
0: Yeah, and the backup situation, I know nothing about this this backup of theirs except he's a third-round pick and he's Swedish, Felix Sandstrom. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to play the backup at some point. And you the backup think. is unproven. So they have their starting goalie who has had a pretty heavy weight placed on his shoulders from the moment he arrived in the NHL that he was going to be the next Ron Hextall <laughs> or the next Bernie Perrant or the next Pelly Lindbergh. And maybe he will. But to this point, it hasn't happened. And then behind him, you really have – unproven goaltenders. Right. Sandstrom has been a pro for a while. He played in Sweden for a few years. So it's not like he's 21. I think he's 25. But in terms of NHL experience, it's, it's been a cup of coffee last year. 0 and one at the NHL level. Yeah. So this is the Flyers team. This is what they've got. Torts, I think, understood when, when he took the job that this was a rebuild or a build-up. And I think they've got some prospects they're excited about. They just re-signed Sanheim to a long yep. extension. They they have some good players on defense, notably Sanheim and Provarov, who are still young. Who knows if Tony D'Angelo will, will finally find a home where he can – he can stay and play. I mean he had a good statistical year in Carolina last year. That's for I was sure. gonna say
1: I feel like he's put up some decent numbers in the NHL. Yeah. He just I, I understand there's baggage with him. Well he had it, it the does... issue
0: with Georgiev the year before, which sure. is why the Rangers moved on from him. But the year before that, the pandemic shortened year. Yeah. He had a good offensive year for the Rangers. It's just that he got into he got into an altercation with a teammate and the Rangers were done with him. But and he had a good year yet. in Carolina, and there was no there was no talk I of didn't him, hear yeah, yeah, having a problem in the Carolina room. So it might have just been Carolina decided to, right, to to switch things up, and they brought in Brent Burns. So maybe you know one thing was related to the other. Although they're they're giving up a lot yeah. in well, terms that was of, one of those years to bring in. Sure. he's a lot older than Tony D'Angelo. But just looking at yeah, their yeah. roster, for sure, you know there are not a lot of high picks here. Looking at their forward unit. They have these brothers, Noah and Jackson Cates. One was an undrafted free agent. The other, the the younger brother, Noah Cates, was a draft pick. They actually played with Cole Kepke. The three of them were teammates on Minnesota Duluth. They won an NCAA championship together. But I wouldn't say that either one of these guys is like a highly regarded prospect. Noah, who was the drafted brother, the younger brother, actually played 20 minutes against Vancouver so Torts must likes must be liking what he's seeing from him but if you look at their their roster particularly the forward position Morgan Frost who to this point has been unproven a former first round pick late first round pick but a former first round pick is really the only guy here Wade Allison I think was the second round pick and Randolph is right like these are new names. I haven't seen any of these players before. Now, we didn't see the Flyers in the second half of the year last year, and that was when they, they started giving some of these guys some looks, like Allison played, I think, down the stretch last year, as did this Noah Cates. But, like, that's where they are. You know, they don't have even Seattle. You know, like, Seattle's got they Shane got Wright wins. and Benier Like, yeah. they've got some guys that were at the top of the draft, and yeah. they're like, we're going to build around these guys. Who were the Flyers building around? I'm not entirely you know certain.
1: I think what's interesting is by you rattling that off, by by that I mean the names there, and, and really not having maybe a ton of high draft picks, or even marquee veterans, so to speak, as well. I mentioned Ron Hextall earlier, talking about Carter Hart mm-hmm. and eventually being that guy who was like Hextall night in and night out in the 80s. Ron Hextall was their GM not too long ago. He's now the GM of Pittsburgh. And I think what we found out once Hextall left, and even I think during his time in Philly, particularly towards the end, is that there was a lot of talk about the Flyers building a really nice farm system and his unwillingness to trade some of those prospects for veterans to win now. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the reasons why Ron Hextall was let go is that I think they might've missed on a few more of these prospects than they, that they wanted to, yeah. not that you want to at all. So the drafting and developing early on when they were going through that rebuilding process and they were they were trading away guys and bringing in picks and, and prospects, there was a lot of talk about they're doing it the right way. They're doing it the right way. But Mish, what's the second part of that? You gotta nail on them. You gotta yeah. make sure they develop appropriately. And based off of what you just said and just really based off of the Flyers over the last couple of years, I think they've, they've swung and missed more than they hit. And I think John Tortorella, to my second point here, I'm wondering, one, if this was the only team John Tortorella was going to be able to coach in the National Hockey League. Is this his last go around in the league? And is this just a perfect storm for him? The expectations are low. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a lot of prospects who want to stay in the NHL. And John Tortorella demands a certain level of execution. And what better way to do it with a team like this who maybe on every given night, on most nights, they're going to be short on talent, but high on energy and sandpaper. And John Tortorella... This is almost like a perfect match and maybe the last chance for him to stay in the NHL and and grow a team. I think that's what the I think that's what the Flyers are hoping these younger players grow in a way that allows them to be competitive, obviously for this year. But in the next two, three, four years, when hopefully for their sake, they bring in more talent.
0: Well, the one guy I didn't mention who's hurt as well. I didn't mention that he was hurt, but he is a prospect is Owen Tippett. They got him from the Panthers in the Giroux deal. He's a good player. I mean, we saw him enough playing with the Panthers. And he kind of fell out of favor a little bit in he did. Florida last year. Yeah, he did. I felt like he, he took a step back for whatever reason in terms of the amount of ice time he had. Yeah. Whatever. He gets a fresh start in Philadelphia. So you want to throw him in. You want to throw the two defensemen who I think are, are high-end defensemen. But they're not like 21 either. I'm talking about Provorov, who's a really, really good player and Sanheim, they've locked those guys up. Konechny's leading their team in scoring right now. He's going to be with them for the foreseeable future. But beyond that and Hart, I mean, we'll see what happens with him. But beyond that, you're kind of hoping that some of these, whatever they are, third, fourth, fifth-round picks pan out. Or you're going to be drafting – high <laughs> like they had a high pick this year because they had a bad year last year right and they have a first round pick in the drew deal coming up i think not next summer but the summer after right, right. then that like that's just a longer process right maybe you're going to get a top five player but that top five player may not be coming to your team for a couple of years so yeah and that's it's why not an Torts, easy road basically i think that's is why is
1: the is the perfect coach for this yeah I mean the expectations. He wants to win. They they all do. But he's he's not going to get this team into the playoffs. That's just not going to happen this year. I mean I, it's two games, and I understand they get off to a good start. I think eventually, over an eighty-two game season, you are who you are. Yeah. And if you don't have enough talent, that's going to show. Farabee's another
0: first-round pick,
1: by the yeah. way. Yeah. And so I I think yeah. I think the goal, because I, I believe Elliot Friedman was talking about when they were going through the John Tortorella process when they were looking at at head coaches, potential candidates, that the Flyer brass and alumni in particular, and you can have debates whether you think that should be a, a main focal point in the decision process when it comes to personnel and management, but it is, that a lot of them were pulling for John Tortorella to come in and be the head coach, that he you know, was kind of the guy that the Flyers identified with the most, mm-hmm. getting back to their roots as a team that was hard to play against. And when you don't have a ton of talent, that's one thing that you can do game in and game out. So if you're the Lightning, just putting a bow on all of this and and getting ready for the game tonight, you're going to be feeding off the energy from the crowd. I think you're also going to be a little ticked off how the first three games have played out. I think they believe they can show better, and the Flyers happen to be the opponent tonight. And while they should anticipate the Flyers being hard to play against, this is a game opener, first three games of the season have been a little inconsistent wanting to get off to a better start I think this is a game where they could come in Dave and establish themselves and get a little bit back on track against an opponent who's clearly inferior talent wise they can match that intensity that you know probably the Flyers are going to have to play with because John Mm -hmm. Tortorella demands it you know I I think this could be a, a fun night for the Lightning, not necessarily winning 8-2, but getting back to what we've seen from an execution standpoint and taking care of business and picking up two points in regulation. Because let's face it, in a couple of these losses, the two losses we've seen this year, they weren't weren't able to pick up points. No. And I think, you know, you want to get points right now and you want to do it in regulation. You know,
0: going back to, to Busta's comment about, you know, the Lightning, our team that, that sees everybody's best. When does the other side see the Lightning's best, their very best? It's usually when they've had a slap in the face. And I think one and two on the road, kind of following up what what you were talking about. Like, this game has the Lightning's attention. Now they have to go out and and execute, use that word again, and prove it, and actually do it on the ice. I do not think they're going to be... Whatever you want to call it, overlooking the flyers or a trap game or anything like that—absolutely sure. not. They understand where they are. They're one and two. They've got a lot of road games coming up. They they have their their sights set on on getting the win tonight. I think, I and maybe you. we're both wrong. And if so, we'll—I don't want to be wrong. We'll talk about it, Dave. I don't afterward, be wrong. but I think we both feel the same way that for for the reasons that you spelled out. The Lightning are going to be ready to go tonight.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And if they're not, we'll talk about it tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And why they weren't. And hopefully they are. And we've got a uh, full slate of uh, programming for you, starting at 6 o'clock. We'll have the pregame skate show. E, Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com, and Bobby the Chief Taylor, I do believe. Is Chief part of that? Yes, he is. We'll be there, 6 to 6.30. And you can listen to that on 1025 The Bone, TuneIn App, and uh, the strike one oh two five H D two. So make sure you check that out. We'll have the network pregame starting at six thirty, the game call at seven with Mish and the Hall of Famer, Phil Esposito. And then I believe E and Brian Engblom are gonna be doing the last call tonight. And then of J.P. course, JP Peterson in oh, Brian. Engel. JP Peterson. JP Peterson. My bad. JP Peterson. We've got so many people to pull from all this lightning talk. We'll have it for you. So that'll be the last call. And then, Mish, we will be back at it again tomorrow, noon to one, recapping what was hopefully a a very good opening night. Yeah, let's hope so. We look forward to it. I'll see you at the rink here in a few hours. Yeah, see you in a few. All right. Thanks to Dave Michigan. Thanks to Steve Versnick, as always. And thanks to Dave Randorf, who joined us at the beginning of the show. We always appreciate him coming on at Bolts Radio on Twitter. If you want to react to anything we had to say and get those questions in for tomorrow's show. And uh, we hope you enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Lightning Radio.